So um, before we dive in uh, to the message, if I haven't said hello to you before, my name's Andy. Hope you feel really welcome at our church. Great to have you with us this evening. Um, now, I'm not going to allow anyone to like, give any full, long, lengthy stories, but is anyone up for sharing if they, could, if they had their one favorite snippet, just in a sentence or two? Maybe it was a verse, maybe it was a story. If it is a story, you can give people the heading and they'll, they'll be so intrigued to come and find out more. Did anyone have something that come to mind if they had to say one thing that was really helpful to them in just summarizing, capturing the good news about Jesus? What was it? Anyone up for sharing? Yeah, great. Thank you. How's your hands? If you haven't used this uh, little uh, cube before, it's got a microphone in it. If you've got a pacemaker, please don't wave at me. I won't pass it to you. Go for it. I just think the, the, the pearl of great value. Great. Jesus rid of everything else for that. Great, the story Jesus told, the pearl of great value. Who else wants to share? Great, thanks, Abigail. Um, the truth will set you free. Great, key phrase, truth will set you free. Anyone else got one they're up for sharing? Thank you, Harriet. Duck girls? You follow me. Great. Cara, thank you. Are you ready? Duck Martin? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, we're going for one more. Thanks, Roger. No apologies for this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Thanks to Ishmael. Great. Thank you, Roger. Great to have your contributions. Um, if, you're, if you're a regular here, you'll know um, we're doing a series looking at Esther. We're actually taking a break from that tonight. We do that often once or twice a term, just to have something else uh, be brought. And what I want to do is I want to share with you an illustration from Romans chapter 5, the second half of it that I found really helpful in kind of summarizing the big story of God's saving plan. And it involves two key characters, and they are Adam and Christ. And that's why I've given you your bit of uh, your little man. And my suggestion to you is that you use one side to write some things down that will pull out about Adam, and you use the other side to write or draw or doodle some things that we find out about Christ as well. Now, just to mention, uh, we are going to be talking about the consequences of Adam's actions. So let's just clarify. That means they're probably not naked pictures. So if you can make sure the people near you are drawing appropriate pictures, that would be great. Um, but the idea is that it will be helpful uh, for us as we go through. So I'm going to read um, from Romans chapter 5, verse 12 onwards. And then we're going to look at this comparison that Paul uses to help the believers in Rome understand a little bit more about the good news of the gospel. So this is Romans chapter 5 from verse 12 through to the end of the chapter. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. 
For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." It's quite a dense passage. There's quite a lot in there. Uh, What I want to do is contrast and compare, as Paul does, Adam and Jesus as a way of encouraging us about the good news of the gospel. Now, some comparisons that happen you might be really pleased with, uh, and some people might even find them hard to believe. Uh, I spent some time in Brazil when I was 18 uh, for six months, and someone stopped me in a shopping mall there once and asked if I'd ever done any modeling work. And if I'd be interested in it, and I thought, wow, it's funny you should mention that. No one's mentioned that before, but I'd thought about it several times. <laughs> and I went and told uh, my English friends who I was living with, and uh, they laughed at me. And I told my family, and they didn't believe me. Uh, a comparison I was particularly pleased with, okay? Uh, another time, uh, recently I was meeting with one of the young adults in our church who's away at uni, and, uh, and she said to me, I'm 32 years old, and, and she said to me, there's someone in my church who reminds me of you. Uh, he's, he's in his 40s, and he's dot, dot, dot. And I wasn't quite so pleased with that comparison. And there's many things about this comparison that are, actually it's more of a contrast than a direct comparison. You could think it's not really fair to compare Jesus to Adam. But there's also some things that are really helpful about this comparison. And I hope that you'll find it helpful. I hope for those of you the believers of Jesus, it will remind you and stir you with the good news of the gospel. For those of you looking into the Christian faith, you'll find it, hopefully find that it will shed some light on the truth of the gospel, how it's relevant for us and how we can respond to it. So, Paul and, uh, sorry, Adam and Jesus. What can we say to start with? Two things, and you can write these on both sides if you'd like to. What I'd like to say are true about both Adam and Jesus is that they're both historical figures. Some might dismiss the idea that Adam was a real figure, maybe thinking of uh, the type of writing that the first bit of Genesis is. Maybe he was more of an anthropological figure, some people might say. But for me, because both Paul and Jesus talk about Adam as a literal person, I think we could acknowledge that there was a first man and that he was Adam. On Adam and Eve, one scholar says, Scripture clearly intends us to accept the historicity as the original pair. The implication 
of Romans 5 is that Adam was a real person. In the same passage, it talks about the historical events of Jesus and his obedient acts, his death, his life. And no serious historian would dismiss that Jesus existed. The passage also talks about the law being given to Moses. And people don't dispute the, uh, the historical nature, the historical person of Moses. And so they're both historical people. But something that complements that as well, that they're both also representative characters, representative figures that can go on both sides for you as well. Adam is from the Hebrew meaning man or mankind and stood for humankind. He was the representation of humans. The historical Adam and the historical Christ were characterized as a representative man. They represented all of humanity. The Roman audience who Paul would have been writing to would have been familiar with this kind of language, with notions of the head of the body, which is the empire. The head of the, bo- the, head of the body, the emperor, affecting the whole of the empire. The actions of the empire affecting actions of the emperor affecting the whole of the empire, it would have fitted with their understanding. Perhaps like our monarchy, but with more power. And for Adam, there was no choice. I don't know if you've been following news recently. There was no choice about whether he was representing everyone. For Jesus, there was a choice. He came and chose to be the representative figure where we needed one. Through Adam, humanity's representative figurehead, Paul was speaking of the plight of humankind. The human condition and corruptibility was often explained from the Genesis account for the Jews, and Paul continues to use this language to explain the big picture of his saving plan, which he's been unpacking in the book of Romans. So both Adam and Jesus were historical figures, but they were both representative figures as well. And we see that sin came through Adam, that sin entered the world through Adam. Sin is a word for the power or force to which humankind is subservient, to which we give into. Paul personified sin in these verses, talking about it as something that enters in, something that reigns, and something that rules. I find it helpful to think of sin as S-I-N. S, shove off. I, I'm in charge. N, not you. Other times we might talk about it as being disobedience or missing the mark of living up to God's standards. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. We see this in the story of the two trees in Genesis chapter 2 that God has made Adam and there's the tree of life that he can enjoy and there's the rest of the garden that he can enjoy but there's the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he's prohibited, that he's not allowed to take from. He has this choice to make. Interestingly, Eve isn't really mentioned here as the one that's responsible. The responsibility is put on Adam here. There's no blame shifting going on here. And it's like Adam says, shove off, not following what you're doing. I'm in charge. I want the knowledge. I want to do what I decide is right here, not you. And sin enters the world, and we see that through that, death too. And so the result for Adam and for Eve is that they didn't 
know eternal life. They didn't have access to the tree of life. That they experienced spiritual death and they experienced physical death as well. So here's a question for you then. When we're talking about how in this way death came to all people because all sinned, that's me and you it's talking about in there as well. Is, is Paul talking about imitation or participation? Imitation, is he talking about us copying? Um, because it would be true for me to say in, in many ways I've, co- I've copied Adam's actions. Okay? I have, and there's been many times in my attitude when I've said shove off, I'm in charge, not you. And I've made my own choices. In fact, you could draw from this letter of Romans and say that Paul kind of references this kind of thing as well when he says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, of God's standards. But I think it's more than that. I think it's participation. Maybe it's one of the mysteries of the Christian faith. How did we participate? How were we caught up in Adam's first act of sin? Why do I say this? Well, surely because Paul can't mean imitate in this comparison with Jesus because I can't say that I've obeyed Christ and made myself right with Christ. I've somehow participated in his death as well. We're really looking forward to having some baptisms here again soon uh, on the 8th of March. If you're interested in getting baptized, come and chat to one of us. But one of the things we do in baptism is we recognize that we've somehow participated in the death of Jesus, that we say our old self has died with Jesus and we have this new life in Jesus. And it's the same thing that's going on in the language here of how somehow we participated in Adam's first sin. We were caught up in it. This is where the idea of original sin comes from. Original sin and its taint and effect is an idea uh, ascribed to people like Oregon and Augustine, supported by people like Luther. The original sin of the disobedience of Adam as the means by which others were made sinners is supported by, if not rooted, in this verse. It's not simply because Adam is the ancestor of humans that all are said to have sinned in his sin. Otherwise, we could argue that because Abraham believed God, all his descendants were automatically involved in his belief. It's because Adam is humankind. He was the representative figure. And God has always dealt with humankind through a representative figure. The story of the human race can be summed up in terms of what happened because of Adam and what happened because of Christ. And so sin came through Adam. And in a sense, we were caught up in that. And death came too. Paul goes on to make it clear that even though there weren't necessarily rules and laws, that everyone was part of this even before the time of Moses. He says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Now, I've never been to the Isle of Man. Anyone been to the Isle of Man here? If you've been to the Isle of Man. Now, I understand that there are no speed limits in the Isle of Man, um, which means technically you could be driving around country lanes going at 150 miles an hour. Uh, However, the likelihood is if you did that for any length of time, you would soon die. There might not be a rule that would hold you to account, but the likelihood is it would lead to death. Now, you could do it also on mainland UK, 
And um, you might be arrested before. The law might hold you to account. But if you don't, it may well also lead to death. And in between Adam and Moses, the law might not have been given, but people were still living in sin. And the consequence was still death. And after the law came, it just made it more obvious. The law made sin obvious. And in the New Testament as well, it talks about it being like a guardian that points us towards the fact that we need a saviour, that we need someone to come and save us. So the law made sin obvious, even at the beginning of this era of Adam, who represented all of humanity. Interestingly, at the end of verse 14, it says that, um, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. I don't know if you've ever heard someone talking about a character in the Old Testament, and they say they're like a type of Christ. So we could talk about Joseph and how he was sold into slavery, and we could say, well, he's, he's a type of Christ. There's a bit about him that points towards Jesus. Or we could look at David, uh, mainly righteous king, and we could say there's a bit about David that kind of points towards Jesus. Well, in the New Testament, there's only actually one reference to something like a type of Christ or a pattern of one to come, and that's actually Adam. It's saying that's what Adam was like. Well, how is this the case? There are many differences, but they were both fully human, representative figures who shaped history. To get on to some of the contrasts then, and you can go to both sides if you're still with me on doodling and making notes on your little man. Trespass or gift. This verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? See, trespass leads to death. The the offense, the not sticking to the guidelines that were given, the breaking of the law, led to death for Adam. The offense committed led to death, and many were caught up in that. And we take responsibility for that as well. But it's contrasted to the gift, the gift of God that leads to life, the gift of Jesus himself that leads to life, the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflows to the many. This is the good news, that death came by the trespass, but the gift of God, Jesus Christ himself, leads to life for us, restored life with God again. Adam's actions led to death. Jesus' actions led to life. Verse 16 to 18. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death, reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. See, the trespass leads to condemnation. But the righteous act leads to being put in the right with God. This is the language of a court here. Adam's act, and as humankind too, our act, 
leads to being condemned, to being judged and not found innocent before God. We're in the dock, if you like, and it's not looking promising. The offense of rejecting God's ways and his ways for Adam and Eve were good. They were really good, had been ignored, and the case against them is there. The same could be said of us. The case against us is not looking promising just on our own merit. The way God calls us to live is good, and yet in different ways as we've ignored it, the case against us is stacked up and it's not looking good. That is until Jesus himself steps into the dock on our behalf. The righteous act, which verse 18 talks about, is the self-sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you and for me. In this courtroom language, Jesus steps in and takes the condemnation himself out of love for you and me so that life for all people might be possible. This is the gospel according to the Adam and Jesus illustration. Jesus is our great representative figure who comes and takes on our sin, our death himself, that we might know life. Adam's disobedience led to the many, including me and you, being made sinners, of which we take responsibility for. But through the obedience of Jesus, we can all be made right with God. Jesus' obedience culminated in his obedience to death, even death on the cross. But there was far more to it than that. The humble obedience of Jesus, who followed his father and lived without sin in every way, serving the poor, preaching the truth, healing the sick, raising the dead, keeping the law that held people to account. Through the obedience of Jesus, many were made right with God. Through the obedience of Jesus, all who call on Jesus' name by faith are made right with God. We contrast disobedience and obedience. You can add that on. Disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, that of Adam. And the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. Disobedience and obedience from our two representative figures. The question for us then is that we part of the many who know life rather than death, who are somehow called righteous or put in the right with God rather than sinners. Who is our representative figure? Adam fell short and so did we. This is part of our story. Believers in Jesus are those who call on Jesus to be our representative figure. We sung about it. We celebrated it in our worship time. Are you in Adam still or are you part of the new humanity in Christ? Adam explains why the world is as it is or why we are as we are. And we need to take responsibility for our part in that as well. Jesus explains how we can be right with God and know eternal life. Verse 20 and 21 says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law came in to show up sin for what it was, to make it more obvious and to hold, it, hold us to account. And sin reigned in that time through death. And the marks of this are oh too evident in our world as we look around, 
recognize in our own lives. We look on the news, the marks are everywhere. But grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's lavish grace might reign through the righteousness, the faithful work of Jesus to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Adam and Jesus, both historical figures, both representative figures who have shaped history. None of us can avoid being born into the age of Adam and with it the sin that we all must confess is ours too. But we're also born into a time where we don't need to live under the power of sin and death, under judgment, under shame, under guilt, under feeling trapped, because we can receive the gift of God's grace that came through the obedience of Jesus, who chose to represent us and did it perfectly. Some people look at these verses and say, well, maybe we're all saved then. If this one figure brought sin and death, and then Jesus brought life through his obedience, well, maybe we can just say everyone's saved. He's represented everyone. But this doesn't seem consistent with the rest of what Paul is saying. Paul's talking about a gift here. Verse 17 talks about a gift, receive the gift and provision of God's grace reigning with God. Now, you have to receive a gift. A few years ago, um, I received what I thought was going to be one of my best gifts. I received um, a ticket to go and enjoy the longest zip wire in Europe, in uh, North Wales, in zip wire. It's about a mile long. And I thought, I'm looking forward to receiving this gift. And so um, I went up with my wife. I had a nice evening the night before, staying nearby. It was a lovely, sunny evening. Woke up the next day, and the weather was awful. It was overcast. It was raining. We looked at the report, and it, like, the zip wire might still be open, but we weren't sure. We just had to go. So we turned up, and we got all um, rigged up in your harness and stuff. And you do this little practice run, which is um, 200 meters long, so it's, st- it's still pretty good, pretty special. And we're waiting in between. And they come, and they tell us that, sorry, due to the high, the high wind and the rain, that they're, they're not going to do it. We traveled all that way. We're so close to receiving this gift and um, I, I, didn't get to re- I didn't get to receive it and enjoy it. And uh, I tell this story because I was uh, praying about this. I was just saying, God, I want this to speak to people. I want this to be helpful to people. And I was just sensing, uh, maybe there's some of us here who feel we've been so close to just receiving this gift. Uh, we've really explored the Christian faith. We're around others who have explored it and believe in it. And maybe we've never actually got to opening the gift ourselves. We never actually got to saying for ourselves, this is the gift of life that releases me from the power of sin, from the fear of death, from shame, and from guilt. But it's a gift to be opened. It's a gift to be enjoyed. And we enjoy it by giving our life to Jesus, by putting our trust in him as the one that chose to represent us and take our place. The gift of God's grace outdoes any issues of sin, any feelings of condemnation. The gift is to be received and enjoyed. Christ on one side of your paper is better than Adam on the other. Christ is the gift giver who gives himself. And so here's my question. Have you received by faith the gift that Jesus offers us? Are you still feeling like you're stuck in sin and spiritual death? Maybe you're scared of physical death. Or have you received the new life? that comes by Jesus. Maybe you feel like 
you've got so close to opening this gift, but you want to. Maybe even talking about the fear of death as a believer brings something up for you that you would appreciate the insurance of all that Jesus has won for us. Are you an Adam? Or have you put your faith in Christ, our great representative figure? Fully God, fully man, came and took our place. You can understand the gospel through this image of one man. Adam, who brought with him sin and death, and somehow we're caught up in his story. And Jesus, who came as the second Adam, who came as the great representative figure through his obedience, has brought life for us, has dealt with sin, and has dealt with death. This is the gospel that we celebrate, that we can enjoy, and is for each and every one of us. Are you in Christ?